Welcome back to Open to Truth, a podcast all about exploring big ideas and discovering truth together. My name's Clint. Hey, I'm Tony. Welcome back. Just a bit of housekeeping at the beginning. Just uh, We have a blog that's every week if you like to read about ideas too. A little bit of a teaser for each episode in writing form. You can subscribe to that at opentotruth.com slash blog. Whole bunch of topics. That's great. Good little insightful, thoughtful truth nuggets delivered right to your inbox. Mm-hmm. Once a week, right? We don't yeah. spam people. No, once no, a week. Once a week. And also we have uh, a YouTube channel where we'll post clips of episodes. Mm-hmm. So maybe if you're uh, driving the car and some of these are too long, um, you could just go over to YouTube and watch them in clip form. Yeah. Little 15, 10 minute increments. Or if there's, you know, those things tend to be a little more shareable than full episodes. If you're right. asking a friend to check out some ideas, hey, go watch this hour long video. Right. Oh, okay. A little bit tough. Yeah. Well, today I really want to talk with Tony about the topic of music and beauty and maybe some of the philosophical underpinnings of that. Now, uh, you said that like, like I'm some expert on beauty and music. I do think of you that way. Since I've, ever since I've known you, you have been a musicman, I a have. musician, an artist, if you will. I will. I will. Uh, you've really given your life, to, the, in a lot of ways, to the pursuit of crafting beautiful pieces of art. That's interesting. In the realm of sound, right? Yeah, I would Not say... Not only your job, but yeah. your passion, your hobbies as well. I would say it's something I've discovered about myself is that for me to have... A, it is important for the health of my soul to have an ongoing relationship with creativity and beauty. And so that's not, for me, it's not just music. That's what has inspired me to be interested in the realm of video and film and cinematography Mm. and that as well. Even photography, like, uh, I feel most alive when I am making something beautiful or I'm capturing something beautiful to share it with somebody else. Mm -hmm. But Um, you don't want to create it with your hands, like a sculpture or a painting. Yeah, I guess that's true. I, you know, I, I sit here, I would love to be able to draw well and paint well. I've always envied people who can, but I've never put in the hours to do it. Mm. Um, But yeah, I'm not a... I would say I experience glimpses of the same kind of thing when I'm doing a house project and it comes out well and it Mm -hmm. actually looks good. (laughs) Or I'm making something beautiful that wasn't. I'm restoring something. That that lights up the same kind of thing in me, but I haven't had as much of a knack for that as I have for right. music. It's come a little more naturally. So tell us a little bit about your journey with music. Jesus. So right now you are a, you're a published artist. Pu- okay. <laughs> I'm one of millions of artists who are releasing stuff on Spotify and wherever Tony else. Robert Allen is your handle. It's my name. Now. It's my actual name. That- but it's, it's not my handle. It's my birth name, Tony Robert Allen. <laughs> it's on your birth certificate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you can find my music online if you search okay. Tony Robert Allen. Um you want to know, what did you ask, my journey with music? When did Just, it start? Because it's pretty taken young. different forms and like band names. and <laughs> Yeah, yeah. some bad band names. But <laughs> I don't know, man. Music for me, I, I was always singing as a kid, like singing songs in the bath and around mm-hmm. the house and whatever. So singing basically since I could, just random stuff, making stuff up, whatever, writing songs, whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, just... Yeah. <laughs> A lot of us do that. Yeah. A lot of little kids sing. Sure. And I'm just at some point along the way, I'm sure they just encountered some displeasure from <laughs> an audience st- member. Please stop that. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean... At some point, the audience dwindles or becomes frustrated. But for whatever reason, yours have continued. Uh, <laughs> you were praised or encouraged, like, keep doing this. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I had moments where I was told to be quiet, for sure, uh, in the car or whatever. But... 
But yeah, when I was, what, 10, my, my mum, it's a musical family I grew up in. So my mum played drums. My brother started playing drums because he mm. thought that was cool. I thought he was cool. So I started playing drums. Then in, when I was 12, got interested in guitar and piano, which dad play. So picked those up as well. If you are going to learn music and instruments, I do recommend that order. It worked pretty well for me mm. to learn the basics of rhythm and timing and that sort of thing before I moved into melody and scales and, and all of that. Wow. Set me up really well. I, I recommend learning the instruments in that order. But um, yeah, started writing songs around then when I was like 12 and they were really trash. That's when I got my first copy of Fruity Loops, FL Studio. Oh. Uh, yeah, 2001, I think, or 2003. I didn't know that's what it stood for. Oh, Fruity Loops, yeah. Well, that was back... They were kind of a laughing stock, and they wanted eventually to become a little more credible, so they okay. changed it to FL Studio. Yeah. But, so yeah, started writing and recording music then, um, figuring out music production. Absolute trash, of course. And then started a band in eighth grade, little punk rock band. We wanted to be just like Reliant K and Good Charlotte and all those guys. Yeah. And we had a surprising amount of success for 13-year-olds. Like I don't know if it was just a pity thing or a a cute thing or whatever but we we like but you would win like battle of the mm. bands and yeah yeah against adults which is i would be mad if i was a 26 year old adult yeah in like a 13 i think it was probably pity but either way we got some radio time recording time whatever so i just kept on writing through my teen years um i haven't really stopped and there have been a few times that i've launched projects out into the wild whether it's mm -hmm. my brother and i did an acoustic thing back in 2013 called amenable and then I had music I was sort of sporadically releasing mm -hmm. around 2014 under the, the rescue verse. Please don't go listen to that. <laughs> I can't stand to listen to it. Most of it's gone now, but anyway. Um, but especially this past year, I decided to take my relationship with creativity more seriously hmm. uh, as something that actually ought to be stewarded and not taken for granted. I'm the kind of person who... If I can get by doing the bare minimum, I will. That's how I was through school. Yeah. It's like, oh, if I studied and tried, I could probably be an A-plus student. But if I don't study and try, I can still get by and it's going to mm -hmm. be fine. Um, and I was that way. Because no my... one's going to come along and force you to create an album. Right. People have come along, myself included, and have encouraged you to continue to create music. Yeah, yeah. But I can't force you. force me. And yeah. that's what's weird is you would expect that if it's a passion, why... Should it involve discipline at all? Mm -hmm. Why should it feel like work at all? If it's just your love, just do it when you feel like doing it and then don't do it when you don't feel like doing it. And what that led to was like a lot of half-finished sketches of songs over the course mm. of 10 years that never were really full ideas or weren't as good as they could be. They'd be enough for me to just sort of get my idea down and say, okay, that scratched the itch. Now mm -hmm. I'll move on to something but else. But th let's just linger on that for mm. a second because... The discipline piece? Yeah. And yeah. The, uh, or just that that was an interesting thought that a hobby, there might be this thought that a hobby shouldn't feel like work mm. or shouldn't feel like there are hard moments in it, mm. which I don't, that doesn't seem right to me. Yeah. Well, especially if a hobby is something that involves a skill that can be developed, mm -hmm. you know, you can be better or worse at music production. Like you're going to be bumping up against obstacles within the hobby. Yes. And it takes work and effort to overcome it. Yeah. And when we're... We're just inundated with so many simple pleasures, mm -hmm. just just TV, yeah, or video games or something that are those sort of passive. I don't have to be solving a ton of problems here. Yeah, right. It's a quick gratification. Yeah, and it is way less work than honing a craft of music, even if you love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no matter what the craft is, uh, you end up 
you do end up bumping into those ceilings, which can be frustrating where you can see something or hear something, you know how you want it to be, but you don't have the skills to make it happen. Mm -hmm. I read a great quote recently that talked about, I'm going to butcher it, but anyone who, if you're involved in a creative endeavor, you, you write, you paint, you do poetry, music, whatever, building, um, you probably first were drawn to that field because you have good taste. You recognize good art when you see it. You hmm. recognize good music when you hear it. And your uh, pursuit or your journey in creativity is your attempt to be get your skills to match your taste so that you can ad adequately convey your taste to other people. Mm -hmm. And it's this constant trying to capture the ideal that you have in your head and convey it. And you just never quite reach it. But it is gratifying to see improvement over time. But that takes discipline because there's some days you'll put in hours into something and it still doesn't sound the way it's supposed to it's just not mm -hmm. eh. there was this uh my my equivalent in this would probably be writing yeah and we had, there was a really cool assignment in grad school that sounds really mundane and like busy work but the professor would have us read this really classic piece of philosophy let's say and find your favorite page or page and a half and then copy that down like physically write it out into, a, into a notebook. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, and particularly not the content really, but the language, the, mm -hmm. the style the of the writing mm -hmm. and the sentence structure. And just to like muse over that while you just copy it. Mm -hmm. And I found that incredibly helpful. Did you? Just kind of sinking into my spirit. Like, okay, yeah. this is what it was like to write like Nicholas Wolterstorff. Yeah. Um, no, that's huge. Mm -hmm. I do. I have found, I have to do the same thing with music too. Like, my creativity is correlated to my consumption of music as well. It's like the more I listen to, the more I recognize what is possible, just how big the play space is of the soundscape. And then mm -hmm. you end up uh, being more, more and more creative with your canvas. So going back to last year was when I've, I felt that tug of, I have not been properly disciplined hmm. with this. Many people have... I hate to say this. Many people have called it a gift. Oh, yeah. oh you've really gifted with music. Um, and I, it just occurred to me, like, if that's true, I have not um, shown proper appreciation for that gift and, and cultivated it mm -hmm. as much as I could. And I think, I, for me, it was actually, I think I have some kind of an obligation here to develop myself as best I can. It would, I don't want to squander this. Mm -hmm. So... I'm, that means I'm going to get up every morning at 6.30 and after I feed the dogs, I'm going to put in two hours of music before work. I'm going to be writing or I'm at, at a minimum, I'm going to be doing something music related, organizing my file structure mm -hmm. or whatever, the, the admin side of music. Now, just to follow up on like the in that space, have you ever done something similar to what I described with writing where you're kind of doing some R&D? Oh, sure. to totally. Like man. I'm going to listen to this, who I know to be mm -hmm. uh, an artist that I think is I have good taste and liking mm -hmm. and just um and like listening <laughs> yeah to it and looking for th oh that's really good I want to use that and totally so I think part of that happens uh less intentionally just that as you consume music you are influenced by the things you listen to and the kinds of sounds that mm -hmm. you listen to often will kind of come out in your music which is why most artists end up sounding like a mashup of their taste the artists they admire yeah. they're somehow combining pulling from all these different things and combining but that sort of active listening, totally. I'll, I'll do a 30-minute session with headphones, right? Music is what I'm doing. I'm listening to music for these 30 minutes. I'm not multitasking. I'm not answering mm -hmm. emails. 
I'm sitting, it's like a meditation. I'm listening closely, critically, um, like you said, to all the different elements and trying to learn how did they do that? How did they get that sound? And yeah. It's amazing how much you uh, miss when you're just sort of passively listening versus when you actively listen, the amount of care that goes into these productions, it's hours and hours. Particularly in your genre. What do you call your genre? I don't know. It's pop. I do pop. pop. I do pop. And it's done on the computers. It with Yeah, with the machines. And the so you're doing machines. little, um, you're adding little sounds in that may not be achievable in nature. Yeah, even. synthetic sound. Okay. Yeah. Synthetic. Most synthesized, yeah. Now, we've been using two words that I think are interesting. We won't get go too far down the rabbit hole for listeners, but we were using the word taste, mm. which implies something. Mm-hmm. We also were using the word beauty. Mm-hmm. And taste, to me, I feel is like really obviously subjective in some ways. Mm-hmm. And beauty maybe is up in the air, but I think people would tend to think that some things are objectively beautiful. And I just want to explore that a moment and how you've wrestled with that in your music writing. Mm-hmm. So even even you saying, don't go listen to The Rescue Verse, your old project. <laughs> yeah, I think part of the reason for that has to be that you think it's objectively worse. Like it's not as good as what I make now. And why? Elements, why is that? Elements of it aren't as good. Uh, what could someone genuinely have this taste for rescue verse and not for Tony Robert Allen? Apparently, they do. Because uh, I think part of what I'm doing when I look back at the rescue verse stuff is I'm comparing it to I know what my taste has been all along, and I'm then comparing how well did I represent my taste here versus now. I could do it much better now than I could then. Mm-hmm. But like those old songs still get comments and there's somebody who loves that particular sound even though i've outgrown it and i've i cringe Mm -hmm. when i listen to it somebody that's their jam that's their taste they love that thing yeah as far as beauty being objective i mean don't feel like you need to give a once for all answer it's been talked about for millennia yeah yeah from i don't i don't know for me that's an open question is beauty only in the eye of the beholder what would it mean for beauty to exist other than as seen from a perspective? Uh, what are you saying when you say it's objectively beautiful? You're saying regardless of what anybody thinks about it yeah, or anybody's taste, that thing just is beautiful. Yes. The whole world could be wrong about it. They could all say that is ugly, but mm-hmm. it's actually beautiful. In so I'm thinking here, and now this might be too far afield, but I am thinking, and maybe it's confusing some different categories, like moral categories, but um, a police officer laying down his life for the good of the a civilian mm-hmm. that he's protecting, or his partner is like got disarmed and is about to be shot by the bad guy, and he dives in the way or mm-hmm. she. To me, like, not only is it good, like, there's moral, ethical praise we could give, but I also I'm tempted to give it beauty as well mm-hmm. and it's objective i'm just making claims yeah, without yeah, evidence I right now that. but um, <laughs> i just find myself wanting to call it that's a beautiful that's a beautiful act. thing that happened but maybe maybe it's just mincing the categories and we should reserve it for something else no i'm i'm with you that's what my I mean, instinct we'll, says we'll as just well. even try to define a beauty um yeah g- glory uh attractiveness mm-hmm um, it's tough to say much more about it than that. What do you mean by beauty? You know it when you see it. 
it it's, it has a wooing effect. It draws in. Yeah, it captivates. It's that. It it somehow grips. Okay, I want to be clear about objective. I don't necessarily mean that there is a whole hierarchy and that there is only one thing at the top and you could just kind of go down the list of things that are less and less beautiful. Mm -hmm. There might be a myriad of things kind of at the top that are in the realm of beautiful. Here's what I was thinking. This is so nerdy. Please. But uh, some of the artwork that was done for the original... Uh, Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if it's original, but somewhere along the line, Alan Lee is one of the illustrators. And he was really intentional to make the dwarven architecture very angular. Mm -hmm. uh, and like in the... in It's a style. The Mines of Moria, there's this really angular architecture all throughout. Yet when the Fellowship goes to the elven regions, much more curved and flowing. Yeah. And I would say that although you might prefer one have a taste for it that they both would be objectively beautiful yeah in some way yeah uh in some way just kicking just totally kicking the can in there. some but, way yeah but we just describe beauty as like captivating or pulling in or gripping but that can't be all that there is because i'm thinking here of oh sure something that well again i'm thinking here of like a desolate wasteland like think think after a nuclear bomb goes off yep and there's something about an image like that that does grip me yeah and captivate something significant has happened but i don't want to call it beautiful these dead withered trees and a mm. cracked ground there's something yeah. that's not but see someone could take a photo of it and you'd go wow what a great photo that is a beautiful shot of a dead tree of a nuclear blast zone mm. you could find the photo or the video beautiful the situation isn't mm -hmm. the circumstance isn't so but what what makes that the case what's the tie that binds them what makes it the case that both the the lush beautiful forest of the elves is beautiful and what? the rugged wasteland of yeah like are they approximating any kind of ideal are they are they trying to are they shadows of some transcendent ideal version of beauty that we are sort of aiming at um i do think there's something weird going on and not to get too woo too but it is weird involving the way our minds work mathematics the golden rule different ratios rule of thirds oh yeah things like that say more about that strange you know about rule of thirds i don't think i do so it's a principle in graphic design or photography yeah that if you break up your image into what would that be nine squares two lines here two lines yeah. here yeah um the most aesthetically pleasing images or the ones we are drawn to and are most interesting are where your subjects or different features of the photos land at cross sections like in the lower third or on the right hand side of the third it's a it's a way to compose and balance your image rather than just like subject in the center click it's like eh, put it off to the side and something else up in this third oh. and that'll be a way more compelling image and um, that's not culturally derived. That's a, I don't. That's a cross-cultural. I think. Well, thing? at this point, we sort of have a global culture, so who knows? But I do think so. Hmm. Same thing with. I mean, music is mathematical. Our scales are mathematical, um, and and there is some sort of a. What is that? What do you mean? What does that mean? Why are well, they like mathematical? The the, the uh, maybe it's maybe math is a a way that music can be expressed. I don't know which came first, you know, but mm -hmm. like the relationship between these notes 
follow mathematical patterns. The scales rhythm is mathematical. You're just dividing time. So hmm. um, there's all kinds of weird stuff like that. With and, and, you're, and that's significant for the conversation because math would be a paradigmatically objective yes, thing. Yes, right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. If, if there is something that is sort of transcendent, eternal, permanent that beauty springs from, I, there's something there about math also being eternal. And you could you could craft. Now I'm gonna betray my musical ignorance. Please, you could try. You could craft a discordant song, probably relatively easily. More easily than a, a nice <laughs> a sounding one. one. Yeah, that kind of violates some of these math principles, and it would be that's what that's kind of an explanation of why it sounds bad and not beautiful. Hmm. Is that right or? Like, maybe, what, like maybe. when you violate those objective patterns, yeah, then you get bad, ugly music. Yeah, or we call that bad and ugly. We like we like when things okay. fall into the ratios. We really like the ratios. Hmm. Um, for whatever reason, who knows? Could be an evolutionary reason. I don't know. I'm no expert on right. that. But there is something weird and going on that I think leans towards mm -hmm. objective. That would explain why a photo of a blast zone could be beautiful. Well, it's still following rule of thirds yeah. and the lighting is good. I struggled with the um, the evolutionary mm. explanation, not because I'm in principle against it, but just really trying to imagine that being that reproductively helpful oh, sure. to like, I don't know, I'm, I'm programmed to enjoy the sound of a bird chirping because that means that a new morning has come and <laughs> springtime and life is coming. Yeah, like, yeah, oh yeah. boy, yeah. that's giving me a reproductive advantage. Yeah. I don't know about that, but I do like to think about the origins of things like music. How did that evolve? I would imagine, this is the story I tell myself, probably the first musical act was percussive, I would think. Mm -hmm. Some kind of a tapping and recognizing, oh, there's rhythm here and I can make that more complex and interesting. You think? Or or is it kind of like the bird chirping? Like there were just someone a monkey yodeling in a tree. Well, just noticing the rhythmic pattern, even not even you doing it, yeah. but just as you're out hunter gathering, the bird cr the crow crows in just a rhythmic way. The music of the universe. Yeah. I this is what I can't get past with music is it seems like it seems like a miracle to me that we perceive mm. it as music. My dogs don't. They don't have a sense of rhythm. They don't have a sense of music. They hear it like they would hear noise. Mm -hmm. And there's sort of a man, like it's, so interesting. it's intangible, but there is such a thing as a groove. There just is and a vibe. And it can flow through you and it makes you want to dance. And it's you can't pin it down. You can't point to it. But you can feel it and you can feel when it's going through you. And that's weird. That's so strange that we mm -hmm. would be that way. And at, at what point in the evolutionary chain did, did people start sitting in circles, playing drums and singing together and vibing? Mm -hmm. So strange that animals would at some point wake up to the point where they go, oh, there's music to be had here. There's dancing to be had. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> That's so weird. Oh, man. So weird. That is like, and it's gratuitous in a way. Yeah. Like it's over the, we don't need it no. to survive. No, no. I mean, sure, you could spin a little yarn about, well, it brings you together so you're more likely to, your community will bond and you'll better be able to take down the mammoth and survive the winter. Yeah, well, I, I don't want to undersell that as being a, 
evolutionary advantage or pragmatic advantage just because I think, and this goes back to what we talked about with Hero's Journey a little bit, but the power of story in a culture and in a community and music's role in facilitating good storytelling. Mm. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen, I think you probably have, the uh, Star Wars without John Williams Oh man! on YouTube. That Search is for rough that. to it's watch. It's so good. Star Wars without It's John the Williams. scene in A New Hope at the very end of the movie when the heroes are being awarded mm-hmm. for destroying the Death Star. Yeah. And they're marching down this big, big cathedral colony. thing. Yeah. And it's just dead in, silence. In the, mu- in the movie, it's triumphant music. It's such a glorious moment. And they're it's like all the kinda, end of the film. It's like they're yeah. kind of smirking at each other, like, yeah, we did it. But then this version someone put out that cut out the John Williams score yeah. is dead silent it, in this hall. And you're like, what? It's just got the sound of them silently walking down. Someone coughs <laughs> in the background. Yeah. <laughs> no, it what it what it does, so it's eerie. Funnily yeah. and and cleverly is it it highlights for you all the subtle emotional cues that music gives you it's like a language that you are decoding as you're watching film and as you're watching tv Mm. you are interpreting internal emotional states of the heroes on screen based on the frequencies and rhythms that you're hearing from the tv it's so weird what you're actually doing there but it happens on an unconscious level most of the time we're not aware that there is a score that there is music playing i mean I think about it sometimes because I do some scoring, but how often when you're watching a movie do you go, oh, this is a cool soundtrack? Mm-hmm. Pretty rare. Most times it's like, oh, action scene, and you're, you're in the action. You're not thinking about, wow, how did they get those timpanis to sound like that? You, you're not aware that there are timpanis. You're just, your heart's pounding along with them. Um, and so to tie it back to the hmm. pragmatic evolutionary thing, I think if storytelling served a pragmatic purpose of here's how to be the hero... And music helps tell that story for that, and yeah. bring it to life so that you you don't just hear it, you don't just know it, you feel it on some level. You you live that adventure on some level yourself, sort of vicariously. Um, I, I think there's an argument to be made there. Or even just to piggyback on that, when I've I've recently recently been enjoying the music of John Bellion. Oh, he's great. Yeah, uh, a genius in yeah. his own right. He's bloody brilliant. And I found myself having like transcendent experiences with it Mm -hmm. and i have with other artists as well but where i can before listening to it i would have reported to you that i believed something about the world like let's say uh, i love my children Mm -hmm. or i love my wife or whatever the case may be and then when i listen to the track it's as though i i don't know how to describe it but I like. I really want you to. I I lived out. I f- I felt the belief, or I experienced uh, the thought, yep. rather than just held it. You know, or yeah. like I I endorse the idea that I love my wife. Yeah. But then, no. through not only through there's other ways I can experience loving my wife, but mu- I did it through music, through this guy's song about his relationship with his wife, mm-hmm. um, and just kind of feeling the love of my wife through the music yeah or f- feeling what the artist felt when they were writing mm. and and how that relates to you how much are you doing i used to do a lot more of this but and i find people do listen to songs as though the song is speaking to them in some way um mm. like like going into it intentionally i'm ready for this to speak to me i don't know but i, I and maybe it's the same thing that happens when you buy a Volkswagen and then you see Volkswagens everywhere. But I know there's plenty of folks who would say God speaks to me through music. And what they mean is 
when I listen to songs and I listen to the lyrics, I often have epiphanies about my own life mm -hmm. and the way I need to change or what I need to be grateful for or how much I do, in fact, love my family or whatever. And there's lots of people who would say, God spoke to me through that song, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think so that's like, what here, they So here's an example. Mm. And the song I'm particularly thinking of, it's called Conversations with My Wife. And I think it's the bridge. Uh, the lyric is, they'll say that I fell off and it's all right, mm -hmm. referring to him like dropping out of music. His fans will think he fell off mm -hmm. and he's okay with that. Yeah. So at one level, I could describe to you the little nugget of the light bulb going off for me about learning the value and the formative spiritual journey of obscurity. Mm -hmm. And I could describe that to you with language. In a very dry way. But yeah. there, but then because it was put to music and the just the whole texture of the song, yep. when he sang it, it was... It, it, it hits you different, right? It hit right? me different. Yeah. I can't... Yeah. I'm struggling to articulate it well. It does. Something about... That went above and beyond the propositional content of that idea about, yes. you know, you should learn to uh, just live in the midst of obscurity for a season and yep. be well, and be cont find contentment in it. And he's doing clever things there where the way that he's structuring the dynamics of the song even causes it to hit you differently. Like the rest of the song is, it's that section is coming out of a pretty loud, upbeat section, and then it all just drops away. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, mm, they'll say that I fell off but it's all right. And it's like, mm. even the music is mirroring what he's saying in the lyrics, you know? Oh. It's like, there's all this clamor. I'm See, famous. Everyone's looking at me. Me on the conscious level. But, but in the end, I'm alone. And what's it going to be like when I'm alone? Um, that's the kind of thing that a good musician will do is how they structure the song, the sounds they use, the dynamics they use will all support the story and help tell the story. So that's better music? It's objectively better? Just to bring it back? Objectively better. Yeah, I think so. I think... If, if we mean anything by saying you can be better or worse at songwriting, mm -hmm. yes, a better songwriter will do that Okay, kind of a thing, I would think. Yeah, yeah. So, And may maybe, um, oh, geez, this sounds maybe dumb, but, well, of course, this could be the case that a culture, let's say, or even, ac even across cultures could invent a set of goals that they think good music should operate yeah. by, and then... Now we can objectively assess mm -hmm. the catalog of music to that standard. But in terms of, if we mean by objective, totally mind independent, mm -hmm. like the tree in your yard mm -hmm. exists, whether or not any mind, if we all evaporated, right, all the minds went away, mm -hmm. the tree would remain. Um, I don't know if that's the case for beauty. Yeah, I don't. Anyway, let's, don't let's leave that to be a... Um, a non, it's not resounding note in closure. Yeah, you know? sure, that's fine. Um, well, I if if this is new to you, if you know beauty and creativity is not something you think about very often, you don't consider yourself a creative person. I wouldn't. I know we talk about Jordan Peterson all the time on this podcast. It's because we listen to him. Uh, but he has in his book Twelve Rules for Life. One of the rules, and I think it's a good one. It's some advice is uh, choose one room in your house and attempt to make it as beautiful as possible. And what he goes on to Does say Does he mean is, that literally? Yes. Or like metaphorically for a, a compartment in my mind? No, no, he means okay. literally. Pick a, pick a place, that a domain that you have control over, like a room, it's your bedroom, it's a living room, whatever, and try to beautify it. Try to make it more than just functional. Make it beautiful as well. 
And what you'll probably find is it's harder than you think to make mm -hmm. something beautiful because what do we know about interior design? It's like, that's a skill you've got to learn and there's better and worse. But you also then begin to establish this relationship with the transcendent, this relationship with beauty and with creativity. Um, I, I don't, some people say they're just not creative people. I get it's something you can be higher in or lower in, but I, I am pretty convinced it's a big part of what it means to be human is to create in some way. Yeah, man. Create families, create cultures, create houses, create art. I, I think that's kind of what we're here to do. So I would just encourage you, if you've discounted yourself and you say you're not creative, or if you've had a creative passion that's been You are the, creating a story as you live. You can't help it but create. Hmm. Yeah, sure. If you have had a, a passion or a hobby or something that has been on the back burner or that you haven't been disciplined with, like I for so long was not... Um, I would challenge you and invite you to try it for a, try for a week, try for a month of dedicating some time each day to your craft mm -hmm. and see if it a doesn't isn't gratifying because your skills will improve. It will be gratifying, but see if that doesn't reignite some of your enthusiasm too. I also like I think in that chapter or just in his overall corpus, mm. uh, I like his strategy of hey, if that's too big of a goal right now, let's bring it down. Like zoom in on something manageable. Yeah. So maybe a room is like too daunting. I mean, mm -hmm. you did well with this room. Thanks, man. I'm thinking of, what about just my desk? Yeah, clean up your desk. Like, what if I had a really beautiful little desk setup? Mm -hmm. I don't know about the room behind me right now and the bedspread and the bookshelf, but what if I just made this little sanctuary as beautiful yep. as possible and start there? Oh, your car. Make oh, your man. car a little more beautiful on the inside. Yeah, is that directly them? for... No. That's, no mine's not very to me. good. Get rid of your McDonald's bags that have been sitting in there yeah <laughs> yeah well thanks for picking my brain about this again i really don't feel like any kind of an expert mm -hmm. on this stuff but i do think about it a lot so yeah definitely thanks. not a topic that can be exhausted in one no little 30 minute thing but yeah. well thanks for watching another episode of open to truth really glad to have you guys join us on this journey we just find it to be a real treat to be able to do this and for you guys to interact if you have any questions or comments please let us know down below in the comment section if you're on youtube or you can reach us at mailbag at open and yeah we'd love your support subscribe uh share it with a friend if That'd you make huge. art i want to see it oh man. send it to us if you made something beautiful like your room or your desk or your car snap us a picture and send it i'd love that and you just came out with a new song. We might as well plug you. Oh man! Yeah, yeah you wrote you wrote a piece of music. I did make a little expectations. Bit of music. Yeah, it's called expectations by Tony Robert Allen. This is handle. There you go. My and name. also his name, so you can find him there. <laughs> All right, we'll see you next yeah, time. See you next time. Stay curious.